Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, this is Cleveland Brown, and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast. I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. Hey, guys. Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're having a great week. Thanks to everyone who came to the Adam Ray and Buddy Show at the Comedy Store. Unbelievable night. Jay Farrell, Chris D'Elia, Eliza Schlesinger, Rob Schneider, Mark Saratella, um, Jimmy O. Yang, Amir K. Stacked. So fun. Uh, next one is in September. That should be on uh, AdamRayComedy.com. So come out. It was a blast. Uh, bonus episode uh, today with one of my favorite people on planet Earth. One of the funniest dudes I know. Started at the comedy store together. Now he's crushing it. He's open for Guster, Jeff Garland, a regular at the store. And uh, just one of the funniest dudes with one of the craziest backstories. Again, it's amazing when you think you know someone super well from just hanging around at comedy clubs. And then uh, this was a... You know, we've hung out so much over the, the time we've known each other, but this was a real, you know, uh, in-depth chat as far as, like, getting the, the true raw details of someone's upbringing, and, um, and it was awesome. I'm talking about Matt Edgar, baby, the one and only Matt Edgar, hilarious comedian, and, uh, and shit, first time on the podcast, so enjoy the fuck out of this one. It's a good one. Um, follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Edgar, M-A-T. E-D-G-A-R. Follow me at Adam Ray Comedy. At Funny Brad on Twitter. At Alien Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. AboutLastNightPodcast.com for past, present, and uh, and future episodes. Merch, beanies, sweats, shirts, all on that website. And the shop, AdamRay.com site, is going to be live. Um, it might actually be live today. Go check it out. If not today, tomorrow. But I will be announcing that for sure. Um, with all the uh, official Adam Ray merch, I can't fucking wait to have that uh, be available for, for purchase. Um, I am in Las Vegas next Monday through Friday at the Laugh Factory in the Tropicana Casino, uh, August 27th through the 31st. Come see me, Las Vegas, uh, Laugh Factory, Tropicana. Uh, always a blast. Come on, man. It's Vegas, dude. Who doesn't want to come gamble a little, see some comedy, wipe the worries away, and then go back and gamble? Uh, 27th through the 31st, Laugh Factory, Tropicana, Las Vegas, Nevada. And then uh, I'll be uh, in Irvine Improv, uh, at the Irvine Improv with Adam Devine, September 7th through the 9th. Washington, D.C. Improv, September uh, 14th through the 16th. Uh, September 13th, I'm at the Moore Theater in Seattle, Washington with the Adam Carolla Live podcast, so come out to that. All that ticket information at adamraycomedy.com. Bunch of tour dates coming up for October, November, and December, so come out and see me. Brad Williams will be at the Ontario Improv this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Tickets at bradwilliamscomedy.com. And uh, subscribe on iTunes, and uh, comment on the iTunes page, rate us five stars, and uh, and we'll read some emails, uh, as we've been doing the last few ups, and give you guys a chance to win some merch. Yeah? Merch is great. Right, uh, so come out and see us live tour dates. Bring your merch. We'll sign them, take pics. Uh, very excited about a lot of the eps we got coming up. Paul Feig, Tone Bell, uh, the creators of American Vandal. You saw my post on Instagram. Uh, Whitney Cummings, Christina Pazitsky, Dave Matthews. It's getting crazy, man. So make sure you subscribe to the About Last Night podcast. Now that we got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy a bonus episode of the ALN podcast with the very funny Matt Edgar. Well, the week. 
so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Publicist office? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Bob Saget's been here. Sebastian's been here, which is great. When it was a little less like clean and I had my uh, rec league basketball trophy like uh-huh. uh, behind me on a shelf, he was like, what's with the trophy? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's from a comedy basketball league. He goes, but you're not 10. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been embarrassed. Yeah. Do you remember? I think it was... You and I and someone else in La Jolla, but we were sitting on the patio doing Sebastian bits. Oh yeah, for a while I as remember. people were walking by. Yeah, right? like I remember there was a guy roller skating at one point, and we were like, "What are you trying to get to? <laughs> well, you gotta put wheels are on you your late? feet." <laughs> yeah, uh, it was Jeff Scott. Yeah, yeah, oh, I remember that's right. that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that weekend. I don't know why I've been there so many times, and like, and definitely don't remember every time, but I do. I remember that one. Yeah, big time. I know there's so. I mean, at this point, too, we've been doing... You've been doing stand-up... We started around the same time, yeah? Yeah, you were already here killing the open mic scene. <laughs> because I, I immediately got a job at the comedy store. Right. And as soon then, as you got here to LA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And from... Uh, Long Beach. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I made that 30-mile hike to... Which is still, like, I guess not that far in terms of, like, miles. But right. it, it still is, I mean, an hour and change. Oh, now, like, living here, it is far to me. Yeah. But before, like, in high school, like, the first thing I did when I got my car, um, I was probably, like, 18 when I got my first car. Uh, first time I got on the freeway was to drive to the comedy store. Whoa. Just to, just to drive by it. And how daunting was that? A, just coming up to Los Angeles, like, I think we all put a little bit of a, um, you know, a big star next to as far as, like, place. If you're thinking about the entertainment world, mm-hmm. you're, it just seems so, I mean, your impressions are so, like, man, Will Smith lives there. Yeah. And that's oh, where they make God, American yeah. Idol. And that's where Jeopardy shoots. The, and the, I mean, you're just, like, everything is so overwhelming to even uh, try to uh, make yourself a part of it. I was such a creep, too, because, like, I would, like... Was like <laughs> I would drive like if as soon as I it was, okay I'm from so being from Southern California it's always Hollywood's always there you know what I mean like I've okay. always like like my dad um always thought it'd be cool like he would drive me up there because I'd want to look at like he'd go show me the big houses yeah, and yeah. show me like the stars and stuff and like uh, but I would look in everybody's window to see if that was a famous person like every every car that passed by everybody on the street is that like uh and then, yeah because there's an opportunity to see famous people everywhere yeah yeah and I just like I so it's always like been in my life like not far like Hollywood okay and, but it, it yeah, you're right it was always grandiose it didn't seem, seem glamorous yeah yes no matter what yeah. and and like even to the point where I first get a car the first time I could go alone without like being taken there by a parent um, that's I a big deal as a kid by the huge. way to be able to take yourself there like think about how many times you got dropped off at the movies like in mm-hmm. elementary school or high school by your folks and then like the first time you take yourself to the movies and you're like, wow, Like I get to decide when I leave. I could leave 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. I could sneak into another one, stay here all night. Yeah, I could take rated R ticket. Oh, yeah. Be more Dude, I used, to, I used to fake with the uh, tickets, this theater that got put in. It was a big deal. It was like, we'd walk. It was about an hour to walk there from our house, but we still went because it was like, oh, we can walk to the movies like in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. And so we would take like 
some sometimes old ticket stubs in the that were thrown in the grass outside the theater, and basically walk into the bathroom quick so that the kid in high school who was tearing the tickets didn't see us, and then we'd walk out and really quickly just walk by and just flash it to him like, eh, like we were like, hey man, we were, we were just coming just out here. of the bathroom, yeah. yeah. And the high school kids would never go out of their way to check. One time, even we couldn't find tickets in the grass, so we just ripped a piece of toilet paper, and that's when I was like, oh boy, they got to start like restaffing because we went like, eh, and the guy was like, got gotcha, you, man, yeah, yeah enjoy yeah. the movie. I was like, cool, I will with this piece of toilet paper that I just showed you. <laughs> that's where you yeah. like, that's what it comes to. <laughs> yeah. Dude, did you, uh, I mean, I had like maybe three different ways into the theaters and none of them involved buying a ticket. What? Yeah. Well, the first thing we, we realized like in every movie theater, you know how there's like the exit sign oh, at yeah. the bottom of the screen? Yes, yes, you yes. one guy, maybe if you all put your money together by one ticket, that guy goes in, opens that, just lets the herd in. <laughs> Me and my friends would roll like 16 deep. To do that? To anything that we did in life. <laughs> like anything. Wow. Road trips, going places, like anything. A one- this is at what stage in life? A high school. Yeah. Yeah. You're still pretty close with all of them? Yeah. Very. Yeah. Were you, uh, I guess because a lot of them were probably still around, right? Around there or made the move to LA. Gotcha. You know, were nobody you, went too far. Were you a troublemaker as a kid? I were was you? a, yeah, but I was not, I wasn't a bad kid. I was a good kid. I was nice. I'd good. You know, my my dad's a good guy. My mom, you know, like good, raised good. Yeah. Uh, the Let worst stuff, stuff I would do. Yeah, but I would like start fires and like throw things at other things and <laughs> throwing out. things at other things is like a pastime <laughs> that'll never get old. No, and it's part of like a young man's journey into manhood. Like yeah. being able to like, you know, hit something from far away. God, that feeling. Wow. But, like I get like I I wasn't a sports kid. Like I never I didn't like the. Or I just my parents never pushed that on me. Right. I wish they did. I was I I. This is all the woulda shoulda coulda stuff, and I hate to sound like that guy, but I know I would have killed it at baseball. I had all those skills. Yeah. And you're a lefty, right? I'm a lefty. I'm. A, I just I had everything. I could aiming. Like when it, if I didn't think, I learned to like relax my brain long enough to like throw the thing. Right. If I overthought it, I couldn't hit it. But right, if I right. just kind of like threw it out there, dude, knocking shit off stuff. Got it got bad, dude. It got really bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've been chased home by cops, and then that was what? like, oh yeah, I mean, shooting fireworks at police cars driving by. And- Isn't it great that as a kid too, and especially now as an adult, you can look back and equate certain skill sets to like it would have translated to yeah. this. Like you're like, <laughs> yeah. dude, I used to hit this fucking bottle with a rock six out of twenty times. Oh, you tell me I couldn't play Major League Baseball? You know, but, <laughs> no, that's what I. Yeah, it but it is. But hey, man, there is something to be said about like being that focused and yeah. being able to. What did you have like a were you like slingshot kid? Uh, never slingshot. No, I was always just straight up chucking stuff, just throwing. Yeah, whatever I could grab. When I was really young, I was definitely like okay. So I moved to with my dad like when I was twelve. Before that, I lived with my mom and my stepdad mm. in a poor town. We were pretty poor. Didn't have much like uh, like, like how poor? toys, you know. Um. Well, apartment for a while, you know. That's like me. It's like two bedroom apartment. My my mom and my stepdad. Me and my sister shared a room, and then we had another little sister, and then she's in the living room of the crib. You know what I mean? And like you know, like I'd say just a good level of poor, you know. And then um uh they started. You know, my stepdad starts you know growing as like a I mean, he was a construction worker, but you know making more money. And then we were able to get a house, and that was like a big thing. But the house was in a bad neighborhood. And then eventually, uh, yeah, moving with my dad at twelve, and he had just got like a huge job. He was a consultant, so like he was probably the age that I am now, maybe like a few years younger even, and starting to do really good. Like right. to where his company 
which was a big firm, um, put him up in a nice house in a nice rich part of town, this city called Los Gatos. It's in Northern California. Los it's like Gatos, right next yeah. to, it's right outside of San Jose. Okay. And uh, then, then there's like money, and then there's privilege I don't even know about because I'm too young. I mean, I've literally been a kid living the, and not as a kid, you don't even know that you're poor. I guess I started realizing that once I got after I moved to my dad's, and like now it's you know I have I could watch a there's not just one TV in the house. Yeah, it's so funny when you do because I was the same way when 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 uh, I mean I don't even remember really living when my parents were together, so it was like you know then with my mom it's like we had food we had i had a bed so mm. it's like you know you just you know what you know and, and until you see like until my mom married my stepdad and i was like same thing like two tvs i'm like more than just sandwiches and pasta yes exactly like uh not bag salad we could like go we would you know like order a salad from a restaurant to be like just other changes or uh you know uh you know didn't have to wear the same pair of pants like three months in a row yep. i mean just uh wait so this was all uh, did you like living with one parent versus the other? Um, yeah, my dad. I mean, my uh, um, how do I put this? My mom, my stepdad was a mean guy. Yeah, and uh, so that was hard. And also in that neighborhood, um, I was getting beat up all the time. Fuck. Yeah. For what? Look at this guy, two TV Matt, huh? You know what? I actually asked one time when I was in the midst of getting beat up. Mind you, I'm a little kid. Like, let's say like sixth grade being chased around by gangbangers like little kid walking me and my sister walking home and being chased by their dogs and stuff and beating them up the best explanation i got is because i was white <laughs> and uh but that was like also it that wasn't it it was that we were kids yeah and they're just dude know, there's no kids. rhyme or reason no. for kids getting beat up unless no. you're just straight well i mean being different for sure yeah i was like, different kids got to hone in on something about sure. you that and they, that's the first thing they can but you know a weird thing happened because okay like elementary school i went to school with all these kids i was probably one of maybe uh three other white kids but it was when you're that young there's no race or anything like that once i went to middle school so from elementary to middle school that summer when i came back i don't know what happened to everybody but like it was different and that's when like race starts getting brought up i'm never thinking about race yeah or anything like that and then middle school happens and then some of these kids are starting to be gangbangers Fuck. You know, so well, Long Beach, right? Isn't that well? This of... was actually before. So Long Beach comes. Long Beach has always been in my life because right. my parents. So my parents divorced when I was one. Right. My dad was wow. in Long Beach, and and he'd every other weekend was weekend with my dad. Yeah. He'd come out and get me, and I lived in um, Riverside, so like yeah, the nine oh nine, yeah, Inland Empire, yeah, and uh, that's where like it was kind of ghetto for me, and then. Moving with my dad, it was like a really, you know, now there's like, it's like the opposite. Like I'm, there's mostly white kids and it's like rich and well to do. Not, it, not, that's not what made it better. I think what made it better was it was safer. And like when I was living with my mom and my stepdad, you know, they knew how dangerous this town was. And there's always, I'm always getting beat up. Like cops knew my, you know, like, Dang. like it was really bad. So like I wasn't allowed to leave like in front of the yard. So like once I get to my dad, you know, he had not been, you know, imagine, like, you know, you're raising a kid, you're in your 20s, the kid is now in middle school age, and then that's when he moves in with you. So you don't even know rules yet. You don't know how to, like, what any... And my stepmom, you know, like, she... Was uh, she cool? Yeah. Okay. She was so cool. So at least you upgraded on the step front. Yeah, well, that took a turn, but eventually... Yeah. But, but yeah, at first it was really cool, and, uh, and she... Um, um, it was like there was freedom. I could go places and not wow. have to be scared. And my parents didn't mind me going anywhere. So like, and also that part of the of California was very 
it, not rural because it was it wasn't, but there was a lot more trees and creeks and bridges to hide <laughs> yeah, under, and like yeah, more, then you yeah, know, more hiding spots, more hiding spots, yeah. and, more, and a better kids. capture the flag environment. Yes, exactly. Way more safer, and it's like just less like streets and more. Uh, just cool, cul-de-sacs, like, cul-de-sacs, baby. God, yeah. I didn't even know about cul-de-sacs, cul-de-sacs baby. That is, uh, yeah, man. I mean, that is like because there's something about look, like sort of crime or or kids getting beat up. That shit's happening everywhere, d- despite yeah. how nice, oh yeah, like an kids. area is. But but also like there is a, a an aspect of just upgraded safety when there when you can when when things are nicer around right. you because you know that like. You know, even if the 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 homes are you know uh, you know uh, housing nannies that are raising those kids or whatever it is, there's just a, a level of um, I don't know, not not as much of a need I think for for uh, bullies to be beating up kids if there's nice shit. If a kid's got a fucking PlayStation Four and mm. an Xbox One, like why does he need to go look for Matt hiding in the fucking cul-de-sac? You just bushes? nailed it with the word need. I mean, in in where I in Riverside, where I was growing up, there was a need for these kids to either be badasses or steal. Yeah, I mean, this is because their tangible. options they didn't have much. No, and they probably didn't have like you know parents and like you know it was like to big, help them fill the time, right? Right. And so you big, got like fifteen hours big, in the day. You know what I saw a lot? Bad big brothers. Bad big brothers. Damn. That were already in the gangs and and by the way, big re- brother, if you're listening, that's your next that's a spinoff. You've <laughs> bad got big, big brother, brother where they put all these strangers in a house. But how about bad big brothers? In Riverside, where you yeah. find all the Riverside bad older brothers and put them in a house and be like, This is what oh you my get. God, dude, the cops are gonna be <laughs> dude, I used to see drive bys out my window and stuff. And then Shut so the then fuck I go up. then I go from there into like niceness, you know what I mean? So but at the time you don't know when you're a kid, you just don't know what's nah, nice. What's not nice? You're it's a product life. of your environment. You're yes. just you're also, and that's why being a kid is so great. And even when you do get introduced to like you know insane circumstances, but you just have such a happy-go-lucky. I always say this yes. too about when I was like a, a real fat kid. Like I didn't know until people called attention to it. You know what wow. I'm saying? How old were you? Uh, the height of the fatness was ten. <laughs> You know, the height of the fatness. That sounds like a Harrison Primal Ford fat. movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was I started to really get bigger. I think around like nine when my folks uh, split, and then oh. um, for sure that had to you know eat in the feelings or whatever. And then, was that uh, hard? Also, Pop Tarts got more delicious that year. <laughs> I don't so know it's what also they did. on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They turned things up on us. <laughs> they realized well, there's a lot more divorce happening. Let's put a little more frosting on these suckers. <laughs> they looked at the numbers. Like, all right, well, I think we could uh, benefit from these this. kids are double fisting them and dipping them in Cool Whip. We need to partner with Cool Whip. You know it helps divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla. Yeah, toaster sales went up. Um, was that hard? Because when I kid, my when I my parents got a divorce uh, at one. Know, yeah, so there's just, no record. I never know life without my step parents. Yeah, I don't know them together. I, don't I mean, know. look at this point. I almost don't because, like, even at nine, it's such a, Blur. a it's a right age to not. My sister was two years older at eleven, so she was a little more cognizant of what was happening. So uh-huh. she became Ooh. a little more affected by yeah. it. But I think also as a result, I saw how she was dealing with it and the stress on my mom and and my dad. So I just chose to take. I think by default, and also I. I think that's just i think even at that age who i was to be like put a smiley face on and be like oh yeah. wait oh so i still get to see dad we just don't live in the same house all good all like, right we still get a house i'm still living with mom yeah. like we still have cool and like that's right just being very happy with what you got and and making the best of it mm-hmm. type of attitude Do you think that's just also you 
Like that's I think just, so because I, I mean, like, but that, I think as I, yeah, I think, and the, that's why again, to my point of being a fat kid is like, unless and I used to do this joke about it, and then I would just get too many groans, so I dropped it. About I was like, I don't know if I was a fat kid until friends would either tease me or I'd get little. You need signals from like even like a parent. You know, if I go to their house and I'm munching on all their snacks, and a dad being like, hey, uh, you know, Adam, what are you in a, some sort of contest where you're trying to finish all the rich crackers in ten minutes? <laughs> and then or or what I say one time where it was like, uh, hey, uh, you know, you need like you need hints from people like a parent being like. Uh, uh, hey Adam, I don't know if uh, what you're doing later, but if uh, you know if after you after you finish all those pop tarts, maybe you got time for a titty fuck, you know? And, uh, <laughs> just stupid, like just being like, oh wow, I guess there's I guess there's a problem with my size. But yeah. again, like just such a happy go lucky kid that I was like, yeah. I mean, Me yeah, too. I knew that I needed to like, but again, look, hey, I wore sweatpants, I wore warm ups, it's like clothes fit, you just upgrade the size, you know? <laughs> nothing else telling me I'm fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing until you get like friends that really are. Sure. You know, that really start cutting at the core and you're yeah. like, oh man, people I thought that it didn't matter to, now mm -hmm. all of a sudden it matters and then it just becomes... Yeah. But but yeah, and that's why, dude, that's why when you see these kids, um, I don't know, any sort of kid, especially in LA, like a rich kid that growing up like with everything or even with like my nieces, I try to, who, who don't have everything, but like I end up, you know, my mom too, his grandma spoiling them and you're like, God, man, I got like, you do got, there's something so special about like, just growing up with knowing that like you got to earn it and yeah. and also you know making your fun out of out of nothing and making something out of nothing is like that translates into who you become yeah because me you have and my little sister when we were living in the apartment i mean we were playing with roly-polies you understand like we were playing with bugs like those were our toys okay i thought that was code for like riverside drugs <laughs> roly-polies yeah, roly-polies you know <laughs> slugs you know i'd like a slug for five yeah, bucks uh, wolf spiders <laughs> by the way those all sound like types of weed now yeah oh i know like different strains i mean it's an og <laughs> yeah. wait roly-polies were the little caterpillar no it, it, they're, they're like um they're like this little. They're almost a caterpillar, but they're way smaller. That would make they like that have this exo exo exoskeleton 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 yeah. that basically they just roll up in, so they like look like little balls. But I don't know why. And just that part of the world, there's like that was just what was in the dirt. Yeah, isn't it great too? As a kid, you just there's no like. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a, 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 a moment or two in class where, like, some outside group comes in to teach you about bugs or something, you know, in the fourth grade. Yeah. But other than that, you're just, like, as a kid, trusting your kid instincts to be like, this insect probably won't kill me. Yep. It looks harmless. I'm going to play with it all day. I might even put it in a bag and bring it home and raise it. For two to three months, <laughs> I think I, I haven't. And really... Roly Poly is also when you like. Was it, is that the scientific name? Or... No, probably not. So I kid... doubt that a scientist was yeah. like, yeah, "Well, it rolls." <laughs> I don't know. Ten Poly? years if it's not raised, right? I'll be on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> Poly's its nickname, or cinnamon. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the name of a kid bug. <laughs> Storm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I just uh, okay. So Roly Poly's. I... What else would you guys do? Oh, jeez. To pass God. the time. Uh, Leafs pretend they were money and pretend like we were buying stuff. I mean, this is just like little kids. Wow, stuff. that is poor. It, I mean, but then, but, but that's also I had awesome. toys also. I yeah. mean, but uh, uh, yeah, but then you uh, move with my dad, and then like, so I never like had my like a TV situation until I was twelve. Like, we'd always just had to watch what my stepdad was watching, which is cool. He liked Full House. Like, <laughs> Fresh Prince was my favorite. Me too. Uh, Family Matters actually. Family Matters. Oh, TGIF. Come on, dude. The greatest. I don't know why though. Week. I really did resonate more with a black family sitcom than I did a white family sitcom. I think I, I don't know I, what about. Maybe the stories were better. Maybe the characters were better. Look, I love me some Full House mm -hmm. and Step by Step. But I also think it had something to do with the 
maybe because I was more unfamiliar with it. I, I, me too, though. That, I'm completely was more into. Well, Urkel was such a fun character yeah. when you were a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, um, but Fresh Prince, I, it's to this day, Fresh Prince is Carlton is one of my favorite. It goes like He's Carlton, then then probably Kramer. Wow. Where it go, it what was that the, documentary just breaking down the psyche of those two characters <laughs> and their effect on modern day pop culture, dude? Alfonso Ribeiro, we got to give him a shout out. Like that, he was unbelievable. Like he gets so overshadowed, so but guess good. what, dude? He's the he's the um, the fucking spade to the Farley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but like he's, he's that next. Funnier. It, like I know he, uh, he also arguably he could be. You almost could say he's funnier than Will Smith on that show. Oh, I I would say that. Yeah. I'm saying he's the funniest part of that show. The whole show's amazing. I he's mean, comic also, relief constantly. The though. first time, I, first few times as a kid, where I cried watching something was Fresh Prince. Different. Well, the episode with the, the dad gun episode. Yeah. The dad episode. Jesus. At the end, where where Uncle Phil and him and Yikes. Will hug like that. Wow. As a child. Oh I, yeah. I can't even put anything like at that point. I'm too young for Seinfeld. So like Seinfeld. I love the stand-up comedy in Seinfeld. I think that was like my first whiff of stand-up. Was like, remember how they in the early couple seasons? Oh yeah, they'd show him yep. clips. And I was wanting more of that because the show was kind of over my head. But uh, um, I couldn't. So that's where like you know my maturity. I'm not understanding this stuff. But for some reason, that dad episode of Fresh Prince, oh, it cut deep. Dude. Isn't it? How old were you when you saw that? God, I, I mean. But Am enough I to even ten. I don't even know yeah, if I'm ten. I was at about this. that when I saw the first glimpse of anything that was related to maybe to where I could tap into like, oh, that's kind of what I think I'm going through. Or I, you know, what I'm saying like, yes, familiar. Where you're seeing it portrayed in a way where you're like, oh, is this kind of like, you know, what I'm saying, and commenting on your because I mean, even though folks splitting at one, yeah, you're still at that age, like starting to understand a little bit more right. of like the dynamic of different households and the yeah. parents not being together. I remember that for me was Mrs. Doubtfire, and which was crazy because that was all about you know they split up in the first ten minutes, yeah, and then he's like, I really want to see my kids dress that. up like a woman. Yeah, that- I, by the way, I went to that movie <laughs> for a friend's birthday party, and I'm sitting there. It was me, my friend's dad, him, and his two cousins. Mm-hmm. It was like a very, I was you know so pumped to get invited. It was like we'll go to the movie, then we'll go to like Chuck E. Cheese, then we'll go to some arcade. Oh, I'm yeah. sitting there at ten. Just fucking bawling my eyes out because I'm just like my buddy's like, hey man, you're ruining my birthday. Stop crying. I'm like, you didn't tell me you're gonna fucking bring me to fucking. I'm watching my life unfold in front of me, man. Like the fucking. I've never seen divorce on screen. (laughs) I always wanted them to get back together in the end. I thought that's where the movie was gonna go. I know, but uh, that's funny. Or she, Sally Field, becomes a lesbian. She's like, I'd like to fuck. (laughs) She dresses like. (laughs) Or she dresses like like an old man. man. (laughs) Uh, Dude, that's funny though. Uh, um, uh, Robin Williams, like that, like uh, so that movie was pretty. That was like a hard one. Like yeah. that was sad. I don't think I cried in that. I definitely cried, and this was the first movie I ever cried in. Well, besides Land Before Time. I mean, come on, dude. Wow, good well, call. Littlefoot's mom. I mean, come on, dude. That what was, happens to her again? She gets like she, HIV she, or what? <laughs> no, what happens? <laughs> Fuck, I forget. Something emotional though. I remember it was a setback. <laughs> she got yeah, a major setback. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Some. <laughs> Punk ass T Rex shoot her up, but what a dick! That's what it was. They'll bounce back. Yeah, wait, <laughs> yeah. that was early, right? In the film, yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah, Littlefoot, yeah. no, he's like yeah, because that starts the journey. Because he now he has to get to the valley with his friends that he meets along the way. Dude, that movie, oh, dude, that's. But but good just to go back to like crying in yeah. movies. There was that childhood crying, but then like kind of like starting like maybe early preteens, definitely. Jack, do you remember Jack? Duh, are dude. you kidding me? When he. 
Jack. Well, you can resonate with because the the teasing and, and the and the yes. getting beat maybe up. Maybe that right? is what it is. Yeah, that could be it. Just how he doesn't fit in, you know. Fuck. But then he starts making the friends. I remember just sitting next to my dad in the theater, just like trembling. Oh yeah. By the way, that's one of those movies, and there's a handful of them, and I love to talk about where I go. Nobody else could do that but mm-hmm. that guy. Liar, liar, only Jim, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Uh, the Mask, only Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah. Um, uh, Keep going. This is fun. You know, Robin Williams, Jack. Uh, I yeah. get Robin Williams, um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, do you get this vibe? So, like, certain, like, actors... You're way more of an actor Eddie, than me. only Whoopi Goldberg could have coached the Knicks. Do you get like cer- <laughs> certain people are good at emitting certain emotions in whatever character they play? Like Robin had a way of making me cry. Like oh, he, yeah. he touched Patch a Adams. spot. Oh my God. He had God, a way that he dude. smiled that Patch was so... In a, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like in every movie yeah. I can picture right now, Good Will Hunting even, yeah. where he just... His face just became so innocent and warm, you know. Yeah. Like he just the way he smiled with his mouth closed was just like a yes, very. Yes, that's it. That's right? exactly it. Like the just smi- his, yeah. his eyes and and something about it was uh, was just really. And his comforting. voice had this voice that was like it almost like trembled a little. It was like bit. a hug, it, man. Yeah, it was like yeah. a hug, dude. And you know, like in all his care, except for Jack, but in all his like roles, pretty much like you know, he's trying to be, he's trying to pull it all together for like you know what I mean. Like yeah. he's the guy that like. You could go to, yeah. you know what I mean, and there's something he's so good at that spot. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Certain actors just have like certain places where they, if they just their character, and I think, I mean, you're way more of an actor than me. Isn't that the thing that like, like you like? So Jim Carrey is a great example. You could put him in any movie; he'd probably do pretty good. I think so. But there's certain roles that like that's you want that feeling from that character. Yeah, get that guy. Yeah, you Which know, is why casting is so important and so crazy that when you see like you know certain shows or movies the people they want to get like it's it's not discussed enough how many times the people people want for projects don't happen and then somebody else gets it because they're making that and they there's somebody else great available mm-hmm. not who they wanted and then that ends up being better or worse yeah, you know what i'm saying be. like um uh you know an old acting teacher of mine was up for indiana jones and was like locked in for it and then Harrison Ford like blew up from whatever was right before that I don't know if it was American Graffiti or something and just had so much cachet that was like he got it and and you think about our acting I mean also who knows our acting teacher he is he does seem like he would have been great for that like even just knowing him this was now 10 years ago when yeah. i was taking this class but also who knows if he's like now hi- hyping that story up just to fucking be like <laughs> you know i could have been indiana yeah. jones you're like dude you're teaching a commercial audition class <laughs> fucking but like clearly but you know things just pan out differently but yeah. but it's uh who, who comedically did you influence you when you were younger like if you were watching cartoons and you'd watch the shows with your mm-hmm. uh dad well, i'll tell but, you this um would he introduce you to stand up like what was so your- uh yeah I'm, what happened was somewhere under 10 years old this is so crazy that i could even remember that this was one of the vivid memories of my life uh my stepdad used to love taking family trips so we just get in the car and he had family in utah so we drive up to utah and that's like a seven eight hour drive you know and uh we get there and we spend the weekend or whatever and we're about to go back and his cousin uh who's like his age was like man you gotta listen to this comedian tape here let me grab it and he went upstairs grabbed a cassette tape like dude you're gonna love this guy and like at this point i don't even know what they're talking i don't know anything about stand-up you know like i said i think there was like i had seen seinfeld that those those vignettes of him doing stand-up there's something so attractive by that but i didn't that's all i got you know 
Um, remember, because one TV in my house, like I'm not <laughs> venturing off to Comedy Central or anything. I don't know anything about this life. So he gets this uh, this uh, cassette, and we start driving for maybe a few hours. And, hey, where's that cassette? Pops it in. It's a Sinbad album. And uh, that's probably my, my life changed after that. Because then I realized, like, wait, so this guy is, like, making a living <clears throat> holding court in front of a group of adults and just goofing off. And they're all laughing, and this guy just goes around everywhere and does... Like, I'm asking my parents, like, what is this? Like, how does this guy get away? And then ended up buying every... When I got back, uh, every Sinbad album. That was my first wow. introduction to stand-up was Sinbad. That's, dude, and this is yeah. your dad or stepdad? This is my stepdad, yeah. My dad showed me Sinbad for the first time. No shit! I swear to God, dude. How old were you? Probably around the... I mean, I... I I want to say this. My folks were still together, Whoa. so that's probably so you're seven under, or eight. Yeah, dude. yeah, about that time for me too. Isn't that crazy? That and is you know, insane. so funny. Uh, Sinbad was um, uh, headlining the Ontario Improv, and my dad lived in Laughlin, Laughlin, Nevada, for a little bit, which was about four hours away. So I badgered the Improv to let me host that weekend, and then he drove. got my dad drove over, and we just stayed in a hotel, and, and just you know, so we could see him live and me on the show, and then hung out with him for a little bit and talked. Yeah. It was just a very like surreal moment like not like a i've made it moment yeah but also like just a cool how cool is that though because those things count early on oh man early on how many like when you're just constantly looking for validation other than yourself i mean Brother. all you're looking for is mini victories and reasons to not keep going because i think you know pretty early on whether you're gonna um uh, really go for it or not right oh, yeah and yeah, i yeah. think we both had that oh, I mean, immediately just it's like, this is just my life yeah you know but but on. you need uh, you need uh yeah moments personal like personal credits that yeah. don't that aren't you're not gonna see them on imdb they're literally within your own life maybe you'll be the only one that ever knows them you'll definitely be the only one that knows the significance of them like i got to meet sinbad you know i did a show with him in traverse city michigan and i had you know one of those wow. moments where it was like wow dude yeah. And uh, and getting to tell him that, you know, like, wow. and he was cool about it, right? He's the coolest. The coolest. Yeah, you know what's really great, is. man? People, I, I I feel bad because people don't know, like, kids these days. You know, like Sinbad. <laughs> like, uh, there was a time in the '90s where he was the hottest comedian in a time where stand-up was not thriving. He was on top, and uh, what people don't realize is. He, we don't see Sinbad right now, but that's not because he's not good or he got older and he, he lost it. He's still crushing it. He's in such bad debt that he has to work every weekend. And so he's doing cruises. He's doing theaters. He's doing You know this clubs. for a fact? Oh, I know this for a fact. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. So literally, all he does is stand-up. I guess I will so not he's ask outside him of Hollywood. He pod. <laughs> dude, you got to have him on. Well, I, we've been going back and forth for the last year. No to shit. Yeah. Oh, dude. I oh, mean... Yeah, yeah. Lock that. He'll do it, too. We would stay up at the Ontario Improv after the shows. He'd do three shows on a Saturday uh, and just go so long and crush. Yeah. And then I would stay at the club, even though I know how to drive back, and shoot the shit with him. I should have recorded these conversations because it was like a podcast. He's got so many stories and yeah. so 30-plus years, starting when stand-up, when he said there was no you know, uh, calendar and, and phones and shit, where you would just basically be like, show up, do a gig and be like, all right, I'm coming back in six months. And you write it down and they write it down and you just you fucking get on back faith. there yeah. on train or bus or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I mean, him and Martin Lawrence doing a show for the ambassador of Cuba and Martin Lawrence making yeah. doing fat jokes on the ambassador of Cuba's wife. And they put out a hit on Martin. So they had to sneak him out of the back on some boat. I mean like this. And then he's friends with all the NBA. But I mean, he just got like, 
And we would talk for hours and then even come up with movie ideas. And in my head, I'm just like, I got to write this movie for Sinbad. Like, and he's just so fucking cool. Yeah. And, um, but I did not know that. But he's as sharp of a comedian oh, as so ever, sharp. if not more. Because he's, he's modern. He's not like one of them old timers that now he only does like. No, he can relate to everybody. Vegas. No, he still does. He had material and about his kids. He had material about dating because of his kids and, and observing that. Yeah. And he had uh, material about getting married. And then he got divorced and remarried his wife uh, uh, or the woman he, he got divorced from. Really? Oh, yeah, dude. And then, so he's got stuff for the the parents and, and getting older because he's in his I think late 50s yeah and, and it was pretty I mean just to span the gamut like that and have uh, material that crosses over for everybody yeah and that's still. why I mean that's what you want so that your audience is never I mean look a, a following is a following right like I would love to just have uh, you know Del Razors <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Dean Del Rey calls his fans which you know I'm not gonna knock because if you got fans and you want to label them uh, we were just talking about this before we started. Like, there is something that I think fans, you know, I mean, I gave Crystalia shit about when he was calling his, the babies and all that. For, mm. It's just like, I don't get, get it, but like. Uh, do they like that? Or, do, do you think that the fans. Oh, yeah, because I think, dude, I mean. I wouldn't want to be somebody's baby. If we had hundreds of thousands of followers, and, and I think there's always. To me, that seems like when there's reason to really. And I struggle with this all the time, like just it, interacting with fans and, and, and trying to live stuff and, and story all the time. But if I had a shit ton of followers, which, you know, I, you probably can be gaining by doing that more, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But I, I definitely would feel like there were more reason to connect constantly mm-hmm. um, and label them something like that. Because then it's another reason for them to want to not just buy merch and shit, but come to the shows and feel like they're a part of something. Yeah. Almost like... Uh, you well, know, and, and give you a little bit of a an, an identity in that world, even though it's not like you're like I'm a baby, I'm a I mean, or what I'm a, I'm a Delray's, you know. I, yeah. I don't. I mean, well, you know what's interesting, Adam? We started. We've. Been, it's crazy to think we know so many people have done comedy as long as we've been alive, and we were around them. So yeah. it's like hard to say like we've done it for so long. But dude, like in the last. God, I've been doing it 11 years. You're Me too. probably up there. Yeah, man. Like uh, comedy's changed so much. We started comedy before Twitter. You understand? Like the, the whole getting followers was not a thing when we started. Wow. And and now I mean that is it. I mean it's all about posting and content. It was just about doing mics. And then now we've watched the whole thing change. But, you know, I think certain people are just so good at that and like this one you'll like this cuz I learned this from Guster actually. Yes. So Guster, you know, those personal guys, credit, right? Personal credit for sure. I wanted to, and we'll put a pin in this too because I do want to hear like what your personal credits are. Oh, so yeah. far along the way, but but the Guster thing to me was—I mean—that's one of my favorite. You bands. were so cool about that, dude. Well, that was just unbelievable because nobody else really got. Uh, I mean, not that I don't. You know, it's it's okay if nobody gets it, but like when when that first that was so big for me at the time. Hell yeah! And then you like had hit me up out of nowhere, just like, hey man, that, I just heard about this. You're, what you're doing? That is so cool. I love that band. It was like that really made me feel good. Man. Oh, cool. But uh, um, but those guys. So like think like there's really no excuse for being in the game long enough to have watch it change and then like not participate which I hardly participate I don't participate enough in Twitter. Well yeah I mean there's a lot of I had com- I've had conversations with guys older than us that that were not especially weren't uh, uh you know were already invested in the way they were doing things and then Twitter comes along and they're like I don't know what to do man I'm supposed to make videos I'm supposed to do things I mean and yeah. I still see some of them I won't name names but cuz it's not a knock but it's just like their lack of participation yeah. in trying to 
Move with the times a little bit, man. You just got to, man. It is what it is. But like Guster, those guys are, if you were to ask them, they tell you they're a 90s band. That's all, which I, I find out about them in like, you know, somewhere in like 08, 09 or whatever. But they, uh, their fans are from way back when. And they're like a college band. So like their whole base is from all the college touring that they've done over the years. Right. But they have it so organized. People don't hear about Guster. They, these guys are selling out theaters all up and down the mostly East Coast, but they'll kill it in P- Portland, where you're from, in Seattle. Like yeah. it, I mean, they like they're definitely more of a. It's like a college, especially art college like crowd, right? And they like they play with them on Twitter. Like there's a thing that they do where everybody brings ping pong balls at one point. And they throw them on the stage after what? certain songs. Yeah, it's like an interactive experience being a Guster fan. And these guys are, you know, they got to be. Man, when I knew them, they were in their late 30s when I was touring with them. Yeah, so yeah. like they they got to be in their 40s now, and they're just as. Um, I, I mean, just like any other, like, like Dalia, like Dalia is so good on social media and like working it that way. Those guys are right there with them. They're like, know. you know, 10 years older than him, but, yeah. and they're all dads, you know, they're all like, this is what they do to make a living, but they're the way they have their fan base. Cause there's two different kinds of like popular when it comes to like artists. It's like, there's, you could have fans and the, which normally comes from like a TV show or a movie, like, right. uh, 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 uh like a good example would be, I'd say, uh, Mary Lynn. How do you say your last name? Rice Cub. Rice Cub. Yeah. Rice Cub or Rice Cub? I think it might be Rice, but I, I think know. it is Rice. Yeah. And I've struggled with that when I have had to bring her up on stage at the store. Oh. I'll kind of just like say it really fast, like Rice Cub. Rice like, Cub. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of like, clapping into like the I mic. Hit, I hit yeah. it with Rice, but then I like follow through with a sh- like I, on the. I think she gets it, but either way, like her, so her fans are from a TV show. Yep. Okay, so that's, those are fans. But then you get guys like Ari Shafir, who has a fan base, right? So, like, there's like Ari, like, being on TV, and I watch Jeff Garland go through this because I work with him so much. Like, he has a ton of fans, but he doesn't quite have a fan base. Yeah. Or like loyal, like, like, Ari could just tweet, hey, I'm going up tonight and I'm in this random town, and people would like band together and go. Right. And they now, have why to go every time. The, it, it's the, the consistency way- of yeah, yep, yep. Of, and of- it's also not. It's also all on him. It's not from like a TV show. Like those people that uh, they don't well, feel connected to. Also, if they they see that from Ari, they've changed our uh, interacted with him online. So or I, I'd say a better something. example would be Steve Renazizi. So like when I whenever I work with Steve, everybody calls him Kevin because that's the, na- the league, character yeah. from the league. Yeah. Uh, I work with Ari. They're calling it's Ari. You know what I mean? So like they. These people that are fans of Renazizi, oh, he's a destroyer, so they'll, they, they'll be fans after they see his comedy. But, uh, you know, they, they're going there because they're fans of the league. It's not necessarily Renazizi. If what's-his-name was at the club over, uh, who's the other guy? The, Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll was yeah. over there. I mean, see, now that guy has a base. Yep. So, like, that that guy will fill out before Renazizi would. Yeah. So, but you any, like, Curb fans, like, I see Jeff, like, all the time. It's like, those guys... It's all about Curb. At the end of all his shows, he does a Q&A, and it, the first question, always, uh, what's Larry David like? Yeah. He actually has a really funny joke about it now. After all the years, I can't believe it took him this long to write it, but he has a great joke about, like, like you think anybody, like, ever goes up to Larry David, like, hey, what's Jeff Garland like? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I was just with Garland last night uh, doing a show at the Improv and we were singing Oh, he did the labs? Yeah, and talking even about uh, he wants to do a little uh, tour um, next summer. So we were talking about us and him and and maybe somebody else. 
uh, going out for a, a couple weeks. Yeah, he's mentioned that. Yeah. He um, loves you, dude. He's a great dude. Yeah, I mean, he's fucking, that guy, talk about personal credits, man. Like, those first ones were definitely from him. I mean, that guy had my back right out the Yeah, gate. how did you even meet him? Uh, door guy at the comedy store. I just, you know, within months. Like, you know, okay. So, like, this is funny because, so you weren't a door guy there. You were you yeah, were definitely me. one of the cool kids <clears throat> that came through. How so? All right, well, when, you, when you're a door guy there, uh, like, when you're a door guy, like, the way I was, like, so involved in it. Because also, at the time, the comedy store was, uh, it was like the Wild West. Like, we were running the club. The door guys were running the club. Um, so we'd have to make the lineups for the <clears throat> open mics, which was Sunday and Monday at the time. You were one of the guys that it was like, this isn't even this. This isn't like uh, because a lot of times you just take a name out of the bucket and like you ran. You look for names that you don't recognize. But then there were a few people. You, Ange, uh, uh, Angela Bowers, Angela Bowers, yeah. yeah. What, and that would what that would just you, no yeah. matter what. If you were there, you're, you're going on. Right. And if you're probably if you're not going on in the open mic thing, then you're going to go on with the friends and. Well, that only that 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 didn't totally happen for me until I started working there. I mean, I, I remember before I started working there, there were a lot of times where I oh, would. Oh, you did work there. Yeah, I'm we were sorry, doing phones on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, because I wasn't a uh, lot or door guy or, or tearing tickets, so it's you know. Um, right, you weren't on. Yeah, you weren't on the floor. Like you're actually because well, I was doing Wolverine during the day. I didn't have to. I couldn't. <laughs> and at night, I yeah. wanted to do try to do mics and spots, yeah. so I, I didn't. Um, uh, you know, I would have been open to that too. Also, there wasn't really an opening for that, and so the way that Tommy and and others were like, you can that phones was available, so I was like, yeah. I'll do that. And I think I was doing like three of those shifts a week, and then mm-hmm. it got cut down because it was I was making more Universal, but I wanted to still have an an attachment there. Yeah. Um, but uh, until I started doing phones, I wasn't. I'd get you know on that list, and then sometimes, and then get bumped by a regular, or mm-hmm. or not be on the list, and then be told by Tommy really? wait till the end, and I'd wait for four hours or something and not go up, and then that's when 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 Bobby saw me in the belly room and brought me down and was like, hey, you know, put this guy up after me, because um, he asked me, could you follow me for twenty minutes right now in the OR, and I was like, fuck yeah, even though I definitely couldn't. And uh, and the time was like, well, he needs to be around more. We need yeah. Tommy, this the former booker at the comedy store, and was like, he needs to be around more. And he should even maybe work here and be just be around. And that's yeah. a way to get like definitely always up on Sunday and Monday. And so that's what prompted that. Otherwise, I uh, because it was so so difficult to to wait around and then knock it up. And I'd start to get so angry. And I was like, all right, well, instead of getting angry, figure out a way to to get make in. this uh, so you can get up and mm-hmm. get that experience. Because I knew how valuable just being around there was. Yeah, I think when I so like. Sandy Dano introduced us. Yeah. Because you're boys with him. And oh, yeah. You come over to the apartment. Sandy and I had, um, you, you live with Sandy yeah. and Tony. Yep. <clears throat> Hinchcliffe. And, 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 uh, Sandy and I had a mutual friend and he brought him to see me in the belly room on a Kathy Lewis Vargas Mason show. And that's when Sandy start, he started stand up right after that. Cause yeah. he was like, oh, we merely hit it off. And then he just was, he'd have been thinking about it. And then it just, for whatever reason. But I'd say, I think when you, like, because you definitely, like, when you got, to the store more. Yeah. Um, you had already been doing stand-up. Like, there was a few people that, um, I guess when I started, like, being able to make the lineup or Tony would do it or, like, it was, like, our class, like, yeah. that would become, what would become our class. Yeah. Like, maybe before we got there, it was more difficult for you. Yeah. But there was definitely, like, no doubt you. There's certain people that you could tell this guy, like, you might have been more natural. I, I thought you, at that point you had been doing stand-up for, like, a minute, dude. Oh, crazy. Like, yeah, no. But I like, think I just was. I mean, look, all the being on stage with all the theater stuff. Oh, I think I was just. What it is? I was just comfortable sure. on stage. You had that over us. I mean, you totally had <laughs> this comfort thing, and I had reps on stage. Yes. That I mean, look, the writing no, that none of us had. Yeah, and I think that does 
But your writing wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I still yeah. remember some of the <laughs> best part of it. Dude, the folders <laughs> joke. I can't tell you how many times people. Eleanor just said to me the other uh, day, Eleanor Kerrigan, and, and even just because it was like, you know, once you're starting out, you get that five minutes or whatever it is that you're like, I'm doing this every time, or. What or even if it was like I know I'm doing some new the, stuff, the, but I know I'm closing on this, yeah, or yeah. opening with it, That's or whatever. Everything. That's wait, man. Once you have a good, I say I, I tell the young like younger guys, uh, have you know really work on having two great jokes because once you have that, you have an opener and closer, and you could fuck around in the middle. That's where I learned comedy was after. I mean, God, dude, I didn't have those jokes till probably like six years in. But the jokes that were so like good enough for beyond the level I was in, it yeah. just came from like beating it for like six years or whatever. Till I had like at least that where I could do like I could open up with this and I'll close with this, but everything in there in the middle, I'd work on crowd work. I'd work all the fundamentals that I knew I needed to work on. You know how much of? Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, but you had the, uh, you already had jokes. Like I remember the the Nyquil joke. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Daddy Long Leg. The talk of the Daddy Long Leg about wait was that that? No, that being was on mushrooms. Yeah, that was being on mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways, but you, you, there's certain people that came in when I was like really young there, d- making those lineups and working in the cover booth for the open mic nights that I knew were lifers because a lot of people came and went. And some people just had like you, uh, you know, who was, f- I just, I still to this day, like, I think this guy is, was so ahead of his time for little open micers. And we're, while we're all doing one thing, this guy showed up. Uh, Byron Bowers came from Atlanta. And he had been doing stand-up for three years by the time he got there. But now he comes into L.A. Now he's with all of us. You know what I mean? He kind of has to take that step back. You know, like, yeah. you could p- become whatever in whatever town you're from. But you come to L.A., it's almost like starting over. Yeah, it so is. He had to start over, but he had the chops already. He was the first guy out of of that level that would, like, tell stories. Like, I thought that was so cool. He was slow. Nobody was being slow. In We're the all, open mics. In the open wow, mics, for three dude. minutes, yeah. For three minutes. He'd tell, I remember because he went to the L.A. Zoo with his wife when he first got there, and he had this long thing about connecting with the ape, and the ape re- looking at him like he recognized him. <laughs> and just thinking, like, yeah, this guy's just got it. So, like, you had that thing, too, where it was like, if I had to make the line, it was you, him, Gerard, obviously, who's just the fucking king right yeah. when he started. Uh, certain people had that. Like, yeah, do you remember seeing Gerard? And and I mean that. I feel like he was around open mic and for maybe a year, and then Pauly passed him. Right? It was pretty yeah, quick. No, I, no, no. He was he. No, I mean he was definitely the first of our class to get passed. He was the first of our class to do a lot of things. But like th- definitely that. But it wasn't. He def he was doing stand up for a few years because I remember he got passed the year before I did. So I'd been doing it for four years by the time I got past this. Yeah, about three years. That's pretty damn good, you know. But that guy was just, he was just, and everybody, all the older guys liked him too. That really helped. You know, like the older guys liked me, like Jeff liked me, and, you know, Paulie was always good to me, and, and like Bobby, you know. But they didn't like me because I was good at stand-up. They liked, I was, a, I was a nice kid. Yeah. And they would, you know, help me out here and there. There was no, like, this guy needs to be up. It was, like, but for Gerard, he had that. Gerard, he, they were like, they looked at him. Uh, they looked at like not like a peer quite, but more like that. Like he's still a kid and he's got some stuff to learn, but he's good. How quickly did you feel comfortable at the store, like working there? Because it definitely, even you know, and I was doing the phone, so I was behind the scenes. But being out front like that, you definitely had an advantage as far as like building some rapport and, and camaraderie with yeah. like the, these guys you look up to right. quicker. But yeah. you also have to be cool and and mm-hmm. chatty and go out of your way to. To strike up conversation well, and not was, just let them walk by and be like, what up? But like yeah. find things to 
to strike up a quick convo with in the parking lot or at the parking booth lot, or, the or, parking lot, man. Because I, I used to park cars. That was like my main gig. And by the way, that is such an underrated position. Like fucking people don't realize the parking lot at the comedy store. It's like trying to put like a uh, like a like a forty inch dick into like a fucking <laughs> two inch vagina. I, there's a better analogy, but it's like it's definitely it's like there's only so much space for so many cars, so it's always backed. And up. there's only one way in and out. Of the of the parking lot, so, yeah. Like you had to consider that, like if it's too full, you have to literally put cars on. You're trying sunset. to solve a Rubik's cube that yeah. will never be solved, and yeah. yet you get always get it close. But and everybody's then another car, car comes in. Everybody's car that's in there is a paid regulars, right? So you're dealing with these comedians that you look up to, constantly. and nice cars sometimes, a lot of oh, times. God. I mean, and yeah. nowadays too. I mean, people are just like. You know, Some coming through with ballers. I mean, I mean, it's just a nicer club now. I mean, there's like way more famous people that do stand up at this comedy store now than there were back then. How nervous are you to when you're parking those cars to just get? I mean, because I mean, I sometimes when I can even pull the car out myself, it's still just just close enough that I'm just like, I don't trust myself, and I have to ask the guy. I'm like, Will you do it? So nervous. I, I, the <laughs> it's almost like tying my tie for my bar mitzvah. I was like, I can do it, but Grandpa, you're better. You know, yeah. there's one time where. uh uh, you know, your nerves make you do weird things. I think part of being good at stand-up is learning how to, you know, stay in the pocket and not, yeah. not let it take over, which I think that was what was great about working. I felt like every job, and you could just relate anything to anything. I always say everything is everything if you if you relate it enough. But, like, parking cars, I related it to being nervous on stage in that, you know, because a lot of these guys would stand out there and watch you. So I'm backing up Dove Davidoff's uh, powerful... Cadillac that stick shift that where like it's a race car engine he had put into it if you let up the clutch just a tiny bit it shoots off and he warns you this when he first when he, you first deal with this car and but he's watching there so it's like doing like like you're under pressure but you got to perform you know what I mean you got to take take your time be slow don't go too slow or the car's gonna stall yeah. like all these little things I ended up applying to my stand up but the most nervous I got was always no doubt Sebastian. Sebastian, Sebastian Maniscalco, who you know, Mister, are you embarrassed? Like, yeah, very around. <laughs> yeah. Him. He made me feel like trash, and not wow. in a bad way. He's, I'm sure. I mean, he's not the kind of guy uh, you talk to. You just, I, I always put him on a pedestal. Yeah, I think because for me personally, I'm such a fan. Where he's like, kind of, he had always kind of been famous to me. So yeah. I'd see him walk in. It's like, oh, there he is. He also even says he's not the biggest fan of talking to people. Yeah, and socializing. Right. Oh yeah, so. and look at his act. He doesn't want you to talk to him. So <laughs> yeah. like, I always knew that about him. But like one time, he had this really nice Jaguar, um, and I had to go pull it he out. Was that famous? He pu- he brought an actual Jaguar <laughs> yeah. to the club <laughs> yeah, and said, just, "Somebody parked this for me." <laughs> I used to feed the Jaguar. While I was <laughs> my doing moped stand-up. was broken. <laughs> I used to feed. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I hey, go- shit, Eliza brings a dog. Sebastian brought a Jaguar. <laughs> Fucking Blanche. <laughs> I've never held Blanche. That, boy, that's let, a personal credit. Yeah, it is a personal credit. I know. I've I watched Greater Men that. Cave. <laughs> that's a, no, not you. Put, yeah. put Blanche put down. Put it down. Dude. You don't have to. Yeah, It'll on. sit in the seat. It's a trained dog. It's not going anywhere. It's seen her dude. act. It's going to stay. It's, it's not going to let you feature for her, all right? <laughs> put Blanche down. Uh, I went to go get his car, and it was, it was pointed like... Uh, uh, basically, I would have to back it out. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and he's watching, and I'm so scared. And I don't know what happens. Like my brain just like just said just said fuck off. And there was like no like logic and reason went out the went out my ears for some reason. And I go to like get in his car. I get in. I sit down, and immediately I'm like, wait, where where's the steering wheel? And and I and I it dawns on me like I just sat in the I'm in the back seat right now. 
I just for some reason I've gotten in the back seat oh, and I close the door and I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I in Sebastian's back seat? Like, oh my god, I hope he he's not looking. I look and he's looking right at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> like literally just walking. <laughs> like, are you okay? Do do I have to do this for you? Like it was so humid. I'm sweating now. Like I'm sorry. I don't know what just happened. I jump in the front seat and back the car out. Oh my it's nerves, god. dude. Like. Some of these people and they're fucking ballers. Chris Rock bring out his nice. You had to like, park his car many a times. Wow! I'd park Eddie Murphy's car. I what? Park, oh yeah, dude. Oh man, I parked them all, man. Is there like a book or a one man show about parking celebrities' cars? <laughs> fucking should be, dude. It's I mean, nerve wracking. Because how much? And who would? Uh, would you always just be like not strike up conversation or never? Like, if Unless you got in and there was a song on or something in the car, like I would it never. Smelt good, and they come back, and you're like, by the way, like hey, I guess I like it's just, the. Uh... <laughs> Armor Vanilla pumpkin, yeah. yeah. What was it? Is that a new uh, freight? Okay, you're already gone. All right. See you, Chris. Thanks for coming. Yeah. We're working yeah. on new bits tonight. Like what? Some, just some of them were talky. Some of them I could tell like to. Like Dom Irera would always shoot the shit. Of course. Uh, Dove too, man. Um, and a lot of people tip too. Like you know, I learned a lot about people. Like like uh like who's not just from tipping because some people couldn't tip. It's all good. But uh, some people that um, you know, you just kind of like sit there and. I'd get spots from it, like Steve Byrne, you know, like he really oh, like the best. Yeah, man, and he would just like, hey, dude, would you like to uh, feature for me? And you know, at the what was that? Uh, John Lovett's Club. And oh I was yeah, like, like yeah, man, and like he never seen my comedy, but it was just like you work out there. He's just what people don't get about stand up comedians, especially the successful ones. They're usually really good people. I mean, those guys had to go through the shit to get there. Yeah. And they all got a lot of help getting there. Yeah. So they know that you pass it down. You know what I mean? Like, all these guys. You talk about Jeff Garland. It was like, yeah, man. Like, where would he be without, you know, at first he was Dennis Leary's guy. And then he was, uh, he actually met Larry when he was working under uh, uh, Billy Crystal. You know what I mean? Like, he had always had somebody that he was you know that was taking him out and showing him how to write and what whatnot and uh when he got the opportunity i, I was in the right place at the right time and uh, that's again so much of just being around you know what i'm saying yeah it's how early did you figure that out where it's like out of sight out of mind like you yeah. got like working there obviously for the perks of of spots and getting go to uh, getting to go to la jolla and stuff mm -hmm. but but getting to be around these guys that that are like why well, i'm gonna and also they like you and i think innately a lot of comics want to you know, not everyone has gotten. Uh, everyone's gotten help in some regard, as far as like getting a recommendation or something. Uh, yeah. I I like to think, but but I think there's a lot of there's a, a community around the store that the guys that are there all the time see the guys that are working there too mm -hmm. and know that they're hustling. And yeah. when you start to like somebody, you want to work with people you like, and you feel more inclined to uh, lend a helping hand. So, yeah, and, and you're so likable, so it's. Uh, no surprise that people were so like, "Yo, come do, come do this with me." Yeah, and I think it was cool because I was really bullied a lot at the comedy store. Like a lot, when I first started there, like the older guys, mind you, dude. You know, we get there and it's like Sandy. I think had already worked there, and then Tony comes in, and uh, we're all like early twenties. Yeah, we're children. These guys that had worked there before us were all in their mid to late thirties. So we came in like there was not. It was like so was, they were not. They didn't have that eager. Uh, oh, they had smile bitterness. on the face. No, no, they it was already gone. And they would fuck. With, I saw that all the time from yeah. like open mics or late spots. They would yeah. just sit in the back and and roast. Heckle. And I never was on board with that. And I, I gotta say, it turned me off a lot from it. And I'm so glad that we've gotten away from that because yeah. I was like. And I tried to like always reason with myself and 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 laugh and and whatever, but I always felt like I was forcing it because I was like, 
these guys are trying to work on shit. Yeah. And this is their, I go, how are we supposed to get better? Like, you're taking away from their time. But then the people on stage, like, fight or flight, you would just, like, you and Tony, I feel like, were who I saw getting yeah. it from these guys. And then I see you guys laughing at some point. So I just assume, like, oh, they're all buddies. But, like, maybe that's also, too, you're just trying to, like, get through go it, along with it. it because you're like, what am I going to do, complain? Oh, like, bro. I would it go feels the, like a little bit of a... I'd go to the bathroom and cry. I mean, it was fucking for painful. real. Yeah, for years. Every Sunday and Monday, because every Sunday and Monday, wow. the guys that used to host it that were older, <laughs> I could say names now because I love them. But Ryan O'Neill, yeah, was Dennis and Jeff Dan. Jeff Dennis was nicer, but yeah. Ryan O'Neill was so mean, but he was so good. Like yeah. he was very, very funny, and like especially at that job, like he'd bring me up, he'd kill it, ripping on me before I'd go on. You know, this is if you have to go to the bathroom, now's the time or whatever. But like, then I go up there and then like, I try to like, I nervously because he's sitting right there on the side. I'm like, I know in any second now he's going to start firing shots at me. And the first thing I'd say wouldn't work. And then here they come. And he is killing. He is killing from the side of the stage and the whole room is laughing at me. There's no coming back for me. And it was like that for years. So it was like really painful and hard. But then, you know. Eventually, he stopped coming to the store, and then I actually got to get down to it and like work on stand up and yeah. like you know you get get past eventually or whatever. How was but, that getting past? It was cool. I was the first one. I, I mean, I think uh, yeah, Gerard got it, and then I got it. So like that was crazy. Nobody saw that coming because I, I was the worst. I was by far the worst comedian door guy for a while, for a long while. Why do you say that? I just was. I didn't have the I didn't have the performance to me. I didn't have like you said you came from a theater thing. You yeah. understood timing up there. I that's really what I lacked. Like I didn't I didn't really playing the room too, right? Playing there's the a, room. I think there's a I mean look, it's 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 why like you see guys that that write for TV shows or whatnot like that make the transition to stand up and and you're like Oh, cool! Yeah, your jokes are funny, but yeah. you do gotta perform. It's a performance. You might not have to have Brian Callen energy, no. but you get, like guess what? It's great if you do, and if you have something close to it, if you you have to sell what you're talking at, about. At least have Brian Callen timing. Yeah, I mean you gotta have some sort or of Brian timing. Callen thighs. I mean, <laughs> or just that. Beautiful. Just by the way, Brian Callen thighs <laughs> sounds like a great country cover band. It also sounds like Callen what thighs. Ralph's is selling in the frozen food department. <laughs> Brian Callen thighs. You've heard of. Uh, uh 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 what is it fucking what's the um the sausage jimmy dean sausage yeah, jimmy. <laughs> got brian callen thighs i get to see him selling that too <laughs> yeah. that guy was incredible i'm mean, still is he's a fucking monster so you get like a phone call or an email or does tommy pull well you aside? so there well, it was all, he dragged it along for a while i mean here's the thing i think what gave me the edge towards the end uh, of me being a door guy was I think there got I think that all of us door guys got a little too comfy being door guys because one thing that happens when you get that job and I see it now with the with the kids that work there now is that you're protected at from the comedy store like that keeps you in comedy so there you come you become lackadaisical like you you a lot more uh you're drinking more on the job you're 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 not really working in, you're almost like got lost in the party i see th i've seen that happen i still see it happen with some of the guys now it's like you get more it's more about the hang than remember we're here trying to perfect a craft and uh this is before i ever smoked weed and i think like all the other guys smoked weed so they'd get, they'd be smoking weed on sundays and mondays and then going up and just like not really bringing it, dude. Like, some guys were good. Like, there's a few guys that were always good. And, like, most of them weren't guys that worked there as much. Like, you or, you know, people were coming in with their shit together. And I think something happened. Uh, I got some kind of encouragement from, um, I think, a med. I think a med. You know what it was? I went out. On, I went to La Jolla with a med, a med. When he came back, Tommy asked him how I did. And he's like, he's really good. And I think, you know, 
he'd definitely be a paid regular one day. And then Tommy told me that. And then that made me go, wait, so there's a chance. Like, I forgot that there's a, you want to get past, you know what I mean? Like, that was the kind of oh, the point wow. of working there. And uh, that made it realistic. And then I told well, Tommy. It gave you a goal, too, right? It, it gave me a goal. To... And I told Tommy on that. I remember, I remember him where I was when he told me. We were upstairs in the office, the phone's room that you're working in. I used to work there every Thursday, that phone shift. So I'd have to help Tommy call out all the paid regulars, give right. them their spots for the weekend. That was my gig. And I'd hear Tom. Tommy would, like, really share some intimate, like, you know, his process of picking up who goes when and, like, certain people that aren't doing well. And this is why he doesn't want him here, but I got to give him a spot because of this or whatever. And, like, all the politics that I got to see kind of behind the curtain of that, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, but I remember tell- he told me about what Ahmed said, and I told him in a year, in a year, in a year, some kid's going to be sitting where I'm sitting calling me for a spot. In a Whoa. year from now. And uh, it was what? literally a year. Wow! Yeah, it was Valentine's Day, two thousand eleven, where I got the call. What did you when you told yourself that or told Ahmed that? What about you at that point seemed uh, um, confident that you were gonna like the work was gonna follow, but also mm-hmm. had you had a, a shift in commitment level to the craft of it? Also, I, I mean, uh, giving yourself a year. There's like, a what? few things because you could have said five years, but right. I guess a year seems attainable, but also like. Knowing that, like, there's a lot of growth to happen. There's yes. a lot of growth that can happen in three yeah. months. If and you're... by the way, well, a few things. I mean, f- for one, uh, uh, I think, like I said, of like everybody else smoking weed and like and kind of being like not not just. I mean, we're all kids, it, it, and a lot they all grew up to be really good standups. Sure, but at the time. There, it was just like they were barely there. I don't think they saw it like that. I don't think they you were like work. me. It was more like just we're fucking we're around. We're here. Right? We're here. Yeah, and I don't think they saw it as like truly realistic that, we guys, we've been here for a few years. We could get past soon. I think I saw that from that moment, and I wasn't smoke pods. I was learning how to bring it. Steve Trevino. Okay, like it sucks because you lose touch with people, and then maybe you even like fall out of like loving them the same way that you did, but... Trevino, uh, the, I'll infinitely have to give the guy credit because he was the first guy. I mean, Garland would take me on dates, like road shit and stuff like that. But uh, Steve would take me on tours. Like before, you know, like we he, we drive to Texas to do shows. He kind of taught me how to make an act. It wasn't about – Jeff was always about teaching me, like, you go up there and, and be in the moment. Like Jeff is way more zen – approach yeah. to yeah, stand-up yeah. comedy whereas uh, was improvising everything yeah and and steve trevino had this traditional uh he's an act he wants to have an act it's all about the act so him and so i'm actually going on the road with him and jeff and steve burns giving me dates none of the other door guys were getting to do like feature stuff so i was actually getting road practice wow so i think i was able to hone like a good five minutes yeah. before they were yeah yeah even though i was so far behind i think i caught up quicker just in that year um, it's like that power of intention thing. I mean, I really did believe I was going to get past, and wow. and it and thank the Lord. It all, I mean, it all came together. But uh, um, I was definitely not so. I, I was ready to get past, but you know, it's the bottom of the next totem pole. And I was, I went from being the worst door guy to the best door guy to the worst paid regular. <laughs> and I have not become the best paid regular. <laughs> yeah, we're still on that. Well, journey. that's, yeah, I mean, but, until Burr stops showing up. Yeah, oh my God. Uh, the fucking heavy hands that do stand up now yeah. at the store. Holy it's crazy. shit. It's what, crazy. What do you, um, so you get past, and then what's cool, I think, that people don't um, understand about that is is it's a momentary, it's such a big uh, goal and such a, um, 
an amazing accomplishment because yeah. it is one of the clubs that is so uh, prestigious with like putting your name on the wall and, th- and getting seen by Mitzi yeah. and, and just having that approval Mind you, process. I remember I, I'm driving up there at 18 years old to drive by the comedy store slowly to look in and see everybody saying like, oh, I bet that guy's a comedian. He looks pretty fucking miserable. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would park my car and walk by. I wasn't allowed to go in. I was too young. Like I always wanted the store. Yeah. You know, oh, wow. I wanted to be a comedian before I was 10. So you knew of that. it before you even Oh, were God, yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, I not I had done my research by the time I start stand-up. Gotcha. And at 18 years old, as soon as I graduate high school, I, I go to the ground lane and start taking improv classes. Oh, cool. So I'm like, eight, I'm fresh out of high school. I'm in the improv. Not really the scene, just taking classes everywhere. Yeah, just trying to get um, out of your comfort zone a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, well, stand-up. Uh, was ultimately what needed to happen and what I wanted to happen, but it was such a, you put it, and people, I, I, I hear a lot of people's, like, comedians, you know, they're looking back, they talk about, especially with podcasts, and you get, like, to hear, like, what their thoughts were. I feel like more than than not, every comedian goes, uh, I just didn't think it was even possible to do stand-up. Like, I didn't even think that, like, you know, the idea of actually doing it, that's a real thing. I didn't think that, like, it was, I put the art on such a pedestal. Yeah. But then taking improv classes was seemed so much easier. I was used to school, and then, like, you pay this guy, and you sit in a class. Like, that all made sense, so right. I would do that. Right. And then, but re- really quickly, I realized improv wasn't my thing. I didn't like sharing the stage. I didn't like being responsible. I didn't want to make it suck or somebody else make it suck, and... I met this guy. You weren't happy with the suggestions coming from the audience. I wasn't that. Yeah, man. Give me a place. I didn't uh, like that. Subway. Dude, fucking yeah, a good place. Yeah, I, I don't Jack go there. Jack in the Box. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> man. Jack in the Box could yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I met this guy, Kip King, who was one of the original Groundlings. He was like one of the guys. So Gary Austin is yes. like the main guy. Yeah. And then like, but he had a, the first troop that went in there. This guy, Kip King, was part of. He eventually, well, he's Chris Kattan's dad. Wow. So like he... You know, he he gives birth to Chris Kattan and teaches him how to become a star. You He's Senior that Mango. Goes. Yeah, that's Senior Mango. <laughs> and we and uh, basically, he started teaching me improv. He had a studio in West LA that um, like I would drive up from Long Beach to go to once a week. But then he got kind of sick, um, and just he was getting old and was too tired to drive out there. So he stopped the class. But he was like, "If you want, you come to my house, and uh, you know, we could we'll 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 do improv there." And and you don't even have to pay. Just help me with shit around the house. Because you're old. So, like, I'd have to, like, get things from the top shelf for him or fix a, whatever. This wasn't you Brad know. you were helping out? What? The- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this, this is an easy dude, little person that's joke. That's so me, dude. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not at a level of comfort to, like, <laughs> comment on You're fine. Guys. You're fine. But, uh, um, so, like, then he was teaching me improv. And then he's teaching about, he was Buddhist. So, there's, like, I never knew about Eastern philosophy. So, he really got me into that. And then... Um, and then eventually it was like talks about stand-up, you know, he's like, his problem with stand-up was he thought it was hacky. He was like, it's all hacky. And I was like, man, is that true? You yeah, know? so you start, yeah, but you don't have your enough uh, stage time and enough uh, uh, familiarity with your own point of view and your experience. Yes. You let other people's, it's like, you know, it's just like hearing something about a movie before you see it or yeah. before before seeing even enough of a trailer about it. You just go, oh, that's probably what well, it is then. I, yeah, I'm letting some other guy sway me that doesn't even do it. You Getting know? comfortable with forming your own opinions and uh, also, being able to reject other opinions before you form your own mm. is like a craft in itself, dude. That's what they say Patrice O'Neill was like the king of. Like, yeah. he had a stock opinion right there. Whereas everybody, like, on everything. Robert Kelly was telling a story about how he was at some club and the club owner comes into the green room and it's him and there's some other dudes. I think, like, like some other, you know, New York guys that yeah. we all know and love. But it was, Patrice was there too. And then uh, this club comes in and he starts telling these, well, here's the thing. And it was like about payment and like, 
uh, he was definitely fucking these young comedians, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and so like Robert Coe's like, yeah, sounds cool. Remember he's young. It's like we're just happy to have a gig. And then Patrice was like, hell no. And it was like as a kid, as a young man, Patrice was like saw the bullshit, called him on it. Well, everybody's like kind of like this doesn't sound right. I'm not sure, but that must be the way it is. Yeah. Patrice, who's as old as them, doing it as long as them, was already there. Like no, no. And, like, just calling the guy out. Yeah. Stock opinion. You know, like, re- locked and loaded. For me, there's always, like, a load time of at least a week. When something happens, like, yeah. how do I actually Process feel it. about this thing? You know what I mean? Like, Which is fine, too. Yeah. I like to th- I like to be a little more thought out. And let my, let the initial reaction, like, especially now, things are, like, politically, you know, like, something would happen. And, uh, you know, what's your opinion? Or, what's, or do I even have... At first, I'll see something on the, on the internet that's like, wow, that's outrageous. And then, like, it sits there, and then, like, for a week, it's like that week, it's like it comes, it flutters through my mind, and yeah. then, like, it starts shaping the opinion. Yeah. I'll never have it out the gate because it's just pure emotion. I'm not, I, I need to think about yeah. it more. And, and getting to a point where you recognize your process and the way you soak up what you see and, and how quickly it comes into your brain and then gets, uh, you know, jotted down in a joke form. I yeah. will say this, like, I might not know someone with more, like, uh, growth that i've gotten to see personally than you like oh. go from i mean you saying i don't even remember you ever being terrible but i think i just lump all of us in that starting boat of like sure. nobody like i just also understood we're all trying to you know like i you know um just understanding that like it's all we're all going to get better but, yeah. but when you see the people too around you like you sandy tony like mm-hmm. putting in the time it, it's you know you just you recognize it like everyone's gonna get their time when something shifts yeah and and i don't you can't and i remember seeing that with you and it was like you know because how it is too like we're on different shows and different lineups and spots so depending on if you come early or stay late or or are back to back with somebody the chances to get to see someone that happened with me and tom segura at the laugh factory like two months ago I had to follow uh, Dana. He was supposed to be him and then me. And it was the first time he'd ever seen me. And I was like, we've talked a lot. He's on the podcast. We've been on shows, but like just not crossed in that way. And he was, and he's one of my favorites and he was very complimentary and it was awesome. And then, and, and he even said, he was like, I don't think I've ever seen you before. And I was like, fuck that's a real that's thing. crazy and uh and i remember it had been some time until i'd seen you on on just at this time when when you had like taken a turn it was like it was awesome man i think it's like a it, it really is you're so the performing part now was there and you, yeah. you just own the stage yeah you walked up with a purpose no nervous moving i think right. we all did that starting out yeah. where you're not moving you're moving do without you, a purpose do you remember being aware of taking the mic out of this i remember having to think about it like somebody told me early on okay you gotta take the mic out of the stand and then put the stand behind you yeah when I see so someone not move the, the mic I would, stand, I immediately just go, "Oh boy!" I, I just it's something I don't even think about yeah. anymore. It's well, like, because you're thinking about saying everything you memorized. Yeah. Also, just not bombing. I mean, right. there's, there's so, so many, many other things, and that's what like practice does it because like practice all, eliminates the unnecessary concerns. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Because yeah. now I don't I don't think about that stuff. But you know what? I think what got me. I think where I, the turn happened... By the way, that's on the back of Brian Cowan Fies that you can buy. <laughs> Practice eliminates unnecessary concerns. You're like, does it's this real, have anything to do with the meat? Yeah, or no, is it's this, a real it's, message. It's like a that. Snapple cap with a fact. It's like they offer like free it's like, It has nothing to do with the Snapple. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. You might, if you wonder about this type of insect... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, the roly-polies <laughs> yeah, are just degenerate bugs. Uh, so I think what happened, what, what turned... Uh, what, be, what eventually turned everything was... Um, I got good, and mind it took a long time to e- even now. I really do feel like only in the last few years, like uh, I mean, 
it's always going to be a work in progress forever. But I definitely think, like, if I were to record something now, I wouldn't be embarrassed of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this, I could put the stand up I do now could be in my body of work forever. I never felt like that until well, maybe last two years, maybe. That's awesome. But I think what changed was I had realized that somebody told me that, uh, you know what you do good? You bomb really good. Like you, when you're when like you could be nervous or like your jokes aren't working, but then when you start bombing, you, something happens and and you light it up. And and I I took hmm. that because I started. I think I kind of started thinking that a little bit. Like it's almost because and it was from the comedy store always getting shat on and those yeah, yeah. things. Where like okay, the act is out the window. Yeah, yeah. Any persona, anything that I would I would think would be funny is gone. There's now I'm naked up here. And uh, now what? And there was this when you learn to listen. And I think like that, like no being comfortable. Like if I start bombing, that might be a better thing because then I'm actually going to start getting laughs. Yeah. And the comfort and not being worried about bombing and then just like letting it hit me like a wave and, and uh, rolling with all the punches and taking that improv like background because as much as I want to shit on improv, like the man, the fundamentals are true. They're, yeah. they're true to comedy, but they're true to life. Like my favorite one is, it, well, it's like the yes and thing. You know, don't say no. Like don't. It's yes and. Always like yes and. And and I think like with bombing when things aren't working and you're getting that nothing response and you're just rolling with it. That's when it started clicking. And then listen, I record everything and I'm listening to those sets where it'd be just death, embarrassment. Then I, you know, then then I'm aware I'm not doing well. And then I'd call it out. And then and then like. Oh, that's my voice. That voice. The, yeah. the guy that comes out after embalming. Wow. That's the sound. How do I? How do I manufacture that? How do I summon that at will? So now I could just go up and do sound like that, not have to bomb first. I think that was like the big thing. The Guster tour. I mean, like getting to do like different rooms, different rooms. With Trevino, I was doing a lot of Mexican rooms. Uh, that helped me out in a lot of ways. Doing like. Uh, because with with those rooms, they're very much about the act, also. Right. So it's like, oh, jokes, you know, structure. With Jeff, I mean, opening for bands, which I've done so much now. The Guster was just the first. I do that. I mean, that literally paid for my whole last year. Wow. Uh, Who different else bands. Now? Just, Cher. <laughs> I wish, dude. I would give, give me a shot dude, at the Cher. Matt Edgar Cher tour. Bro, that I, shirt alone is going to sell these twenty. Reason, you don't even have to pay me. I just want the <laughs> shirt out there. I uh, yeah, just all kinds of bands like this. You know these these guys, the Vagabonds, are my favorite right I've now. As far as like, yeah, they're, this Nashville. I oh Nashville, like going to Nashville for me it was like I didn't know how good I would do there. I never thought I'd relate to Nashville, but uh, yeah, different bands and different rooms. Like with Guster, their theaters. I wasn't used to that. Yeah. Like, just so you know, I don't think we ever caught up after that. I died the whole t- tour. It was fucking awful, bro. Why? It's something you oh, learn. So I text you like, "This is so cool," and like, oh, you don't have but, the heart to tell me like, "This is actually the worst oh, time of my life." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going great. They replaced <laughs> me with my stepdad. I almost got fired. What? I almost got fired. Yeah. I. Uh, so like you know, you learn this doing with uh when you tour with bands you you'll learn this anytime you work with them. but when you tour with the band and every night you're like doing the show with them it is so not about you it's so about the band right yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like when when i'm there and it's like standing room only and people are there for a rock show and i'm going up there and this is before i had those two like i was saying like you have the two jokes the opener and closer to yeah, work yeah. with i didn't even have those 
So, like, I was literally going up there pulling out, like, the stupidest, lamest jokes. I, most of them were Mexican jokes, by the way. Because, like, I had just come off of all that touring with, you know, Mexican rooms. Yeah. So, you know, my I grew up in a Mexican neighborhood. I My mom's Mexican. And like, she had something to pull from. Yeah, I had. Well, that's why I think I did good You're in like, those rooms. Like, I've been rooms. to Chipotle twice. <laughs> yeah. Apoyo Loco And they once. love that shit, yeah. dude. Do like, they? Yeah, oh, bro. Yeah. Like, those were some of my favorite times, man. And, and, like, really good early, like, kills for me, you know? But, uh. The Guster's a whole different crowd. So I was doing like Latino jokes and these, you know, it was just not the right fit. So I would just die. And one night uh, in Michigan, I forget, it was some theater, and I go up there and I had, I used to do this joke about how, um, you know, it, I had a lot of jokes about my mom or my, that side of the family being, you know, they're Mexican. So, but obviously I'm, I'm very white. I took out my dad's jeans. Like the most Mexican thing about me is I, uh, I go to the beach with my clothes on or whatever. Yeah. I just run in. Have you ever seen a Mexican just, you know, charge the Pacific or, or whatever it was, it would kill in these rooms, but I did it in this room in Michigan. That was very like what would become PC. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and they just start booing like, Racist, and I get just oh, you're, you're, no. I'm hearing people call me a racist from the crowd. I've never been called a racist before, and if only they knew my experience. They they didn't. They didn't. They literally thought I was making fun of Mexicans. They, they really shame on them for like hearing one word and then just jumping on it, you know. Um, but yeah, it was close, man. The drummer took me aside and was like, you know, our fans just don't like racism. And I was like, oh, do you really think I'm racist, yeah. man? It's like and, and he didn't even know what to think. Luckily, Ryan, the singer, was like, "No, nah, dude, that's you're not racist, man. This this all got blown out of context, you know. Like they don't, it's all good, dude. And, and it was just a really scary thing. And actually, this one guy, I'll never forget this. And I fucking if I, man, I it, there's certain people in my life. I'm not a violent person. There's one guy in in existence that I want to punch in the face to this day, and he just has the perfect face for it. Too. Fred Savage. No, Fred's fine. <laughs> Fred's Savage, fine. Dude. He says this that guy. In, I don't even. Ran, I've morning. deleted his name from my mind, but he he wrote uh, Forty Days and Forty Nights. That movie. Is that why you hate him? <laughs> well, that's part of it. <laughs> he comes up to me after that. She's friends with the with Guster. Comes up to me, and we're in line at a bar, and we're in line. So mind you, this is a big part of it. Yeah, we yeah. are in line, and he comes up to me. He's like. You know, I was going to wait till I had a few drinks to tell you this, but I just can't hold it in right now. I thought that was horribly unfunny and very offensively racist. And he's just telling me that to my face. Just like, very, it's one thing that it wasn't funny, but racist. And you got to know, Adam, I mean, and your listeners, I can't convey how much of a douche face this guy had. It's like the kind of face that he looks like he's always smelling, uh, like, his ass. Like, he's always up his own ass. Like, it's like... <laughs> Like there's this like, like he. It looks like when you look, if you took a picture of yourself right when you were like s sniffing. Yeah. Like it. Like he walks around with this oh fucking God. face. Anyways, he said that to me, dude, and it like, man, I hate to even give him the credit. Don't. Oh, Garland. Garland wanted to fight him. Like Jeff Garland wanted to fight this man. And he had a run in with him before yeah. at something else, and he wanted to, he didn't like him then. Yeah. And this happens again. So like a, after that, it was like, well, shit. If if I could write anything, if if this stuff could be brought up, if I could be called racist, uh, which like, I mean, it, I've people don't know where I come from. But if you could actually think I am, and because of something I did on stage, well, I'm doing something wrong. So like it, it became about from that point on. 
like less like Trevino got the act thing in my head, but there was still like I had this Garland influence of Zen. Right. From that point on, it was like, no, man, write jokes and don't write like jokes about like bring leave race out of it because it doesn't really matter. And and then like that's when I started forming like an act and like turning it around and taking that voice from me bombing and like learning how to like write for it. And then that's huge. Yeah, dude. That's um. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, an important thing for people to hear, too, especially when you're starting out. It's like, you just got to, like, try shit and make sure you do, like, recognize what you're doing and don't just be doing it. Like, be, when you bomb, make sure you know why you're bombing. When you crush, mm-hmm. make sure you know why you're crushing. Record your sets, too, yeah. man, because you'll get, you'll, you don't know how much gets, gets lost. Yeah. from Because you're so nervous up there that you do delete things without even thinking about it. Um, you're going to have to come back when Brad's here. We're already done. We're done? Yeah. Because there's so much more. I mean, I feel like that's the thing too. I knew we were. I knew I was going to have to do at least a two part with you. I'd love for to. the first one. And uh, and whether Brad's here or not, he's actually under the table. You didn't know the whole time, but <laughs> I thought there's yeah. something. <laughs> what was that nibbling on my leg? Um, but you're the best. Where are you on social media? You, uh, I'm on, uh, at Matt Edgar. Great. Matt has one T in it. Um, when does this come out? Uh, next Thursday. Next Thursday. Oh my God. Uh, about last night. Listeners, I need you for next Thursday. I need you next weekend in Tahoe. If you, you guys are around that area, I am. Yeah. It, I've done this gig. It's a lot of old people in a casino. I do not do well. Please, some <laughs> come fresh out. faces. Yeah, let's like, get some young ones. Get some There's a lot out there. out there. I, yeah, yeah, bro. And I'll, I'll plug that extra in the intro. Um, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. I love you. Adam. I can talk to you forever. Yeah, we 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 jam a lot. Yeah, man. it's cool too to have people that you know when you started with like still be with you and still. still oh doing, yeah, you know? the survivors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We are the original survivors we did of comedy. We did it. Still here. I'm quitting Going actually strong. tonight. That's it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.